Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Thank you, Vic. If you wouldn't mind, give us your name, your title, and your role. Sure. Uh, my name is Vic Walia. I'm the uh, Senior Director of Brand Marketing at Expedia. Can you expand on the like, responsibilities? Yeah, sure. I oversee the uh, marketing strategy at Expedia, which manifests itself into advertising and media across um, all of our uh, marketing channels. Great. So you want congratulations, by the way, for the FE win. Um, for finding yours. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that campaign. What was the what was the burning insight or, or idea behind the campaign itself? Absolutely. Well, I mean, Expedia's been around for, for a long time. And um, as we think about the advent of, of commerce online, what's happening is there is just a proliferation of online advertisers who are taking some share from Expedia. And it's becoming a very um, commoditized game, right? We're all competing on price and inventory. And um, when we start looking at the future, where is that going to go? We realize that that's not a long-term sustainable proposition to just continue to be in a price war with, with our competitors. So we started to look at changing the dialogue and really understand what, what does travel mean for the average person. While price is a consideration, really, you know, travel is, is more than just getting from point A to point B. It's all the experiences that you get along the way. And so we, we tapped into that insight and we wanted to develop a campaign that really spoke to the personal side of travel. So um, our, we call the campaign Find Yours and Find Yours is about uh, making travel personal. I love the storytelling component of what you've been able to achieve, Thanks. both with the user-generated as well as what you guys were putting together. Mm -hmm. 
did you guys find any elements about the story itself, like telling a story that you would you could share with other marketers? Well, you know, um, what we tried to do, and, and I'm glad we were able to achieve this, is not try to overly contrive the story, right? So what you'll notice um, in, in the work that's been the most successful um, and the work that's actually um, helped us uh, achieve the FE Award is work that is um, user-generated, very authentic stories. Um, and what we did was we, we pulled these stories from real-life examples, put them together in a, in a, in a way that resonates with, with, with consumers. So I think, you know, kind of my, my answer on how uh, other marketers could, could uh, learn from the, the little bit that we did there is, you know, there's stuff that's out there in the world. Um, and all you have to do is, is go and, and, and find it to help craft your message. I think the messages that work really well are, are the ones that really come from, from the heart. And so um, that was part of our journey, which is to understand some of these um, travel moments that were transformational for people. And I think all the stories that we've been able to, to show are stories where we've proven that travel does have the power to transform you. Um, and so those are the ones that resonate the most. Your campaign was telling tremendous stories. Mm -hmm. What elements about storytelling can you share with other marketers? Sure. Well, for us, what we tried to do was make sure that these stories weren't contrived, right? So these are real stories from genuine travelers. And, and that was part of our journey, which is to find these stories. Now, we had, um, we had a, a thought going in, which is travel has the power to really transform you. Um, and so we look for stories where through the journey of travel, um, the, our heroes in these stories were transformed. Um, and uh, the ones that have been the most successful are the ones where you're emotionally connecting with these true stories of people who are seeing the world either for the first time with a different lens or um, really having a connection with the other travelers that they're with. So that to me is is has been the the best part, which is real examples. And I've had the pleasure of talking to some of these uh, travelers um, and hearing their stories firsthand. And it, it's 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 really both eye opening and very warming. Yeah, the one that sticks out in my mind is the the father that's going to the, yes. the, the wedding. Artie. Yeah, and and the, the emotional component of that, and mm -hmm. just him coming up to terms with with life. Yes, and and how life is today, and and the elements of the LGBT community component I wonder was that just happened by circumstance or um, is that a community that you guys kind of serve and try to try to try to um, talk to yeah well I mean um, the, the last part of the question I'll answer that one first so Expedia is a very diverse organization and we know that uh, travel appeals to everybody from any walk of life so um, we don't try to target one group or another and vice versa we don't try to alienate a group or not so um, this was a natural fit for us um, with respect to the story um, and, and Artie's journey I mean that is a it's a very deep journey uh, a very deep story a very personal story one that he was willing to share as one that um, um, his, his daughters are willing to allow us to, to share as well. So um, as I mentioned, these are authentic stories and that, that, that wedding happened and just as we documented it. Um, and so um, it, was, uh, it was great to be part of that. That's a beautiful moment. Thanks. So winning an Effie mm -hmm. about marketing effectiveness, how yes. would you define marketing effectiveness? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, right? So, and it's one of the things that I think uh, organizations are well, still struggling with. I know we're struggling as well because there's many different ways of, of, of measuring this, you know. Fundamentally, we are going to look at um, the impact that we have on traffic to my store, 
right? So we want people coming to the store every day and, and buying something. So that is clearly a goal. Um, but then we look at some of the other leading indicators of effectiveness, right? So in this particular campaign, one leading indicator of future success for us was the chatter on social networks, right? Which, which really blew up when we uh, launched this campaign. Um, some of it was by design. Um, we purposely placed the ad in, in various locations where we were gonna get some, some feedback. But I'm glad that you know, it took on a life of its own. And if you read some of the um, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube comments, um, you can see the, the, the overwhelming response for this campaign. Um, and that, again, was a leading indicator of, of success. Now, of course, with this topic, which is very controversial, you have people from both sides of the, of the debate. Um, and you know, that is just a part of our society with the open dialogue that we have, and, and we allow for that as a, as, as a society, as a culture. And I think that's great, because it helps spur the dialogue and really elevate the conversation. And so I'm glad that we could be a part of it. When we launched this campaign, it was right around the time that the Supreme Court was deciding the Defense of Marriage Act. So it was also timed very well, and that was a serendipitous moment for us. Um, so it helped with the, with, with the dialogue, it helped with the chatter and social networks. And so that was a leading indicator of effectiveness. Now, ultimately, of course, we're still looking at traffic to the store, and I'm glad that we were able to um, really elevate the brand from an awareness perspective, which helped translate into traffic into our store. Good. Well, let's talk a little bit about Vic. Yeah, for sure. You've been successful in your career. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. Is it, what fuels that? What fuels you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think it's the same thing that fuels everybody, right? It's just you want to do good work and you want people to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do that on not just this campaign, but, you know, prior campaigns as well. You know, I look at work and I ask myself, is this something, if I were marketed to, would I want this type of, you know, uh, campaign, mm -hmm. whether it's a media choice or whether it's an ad choice. So it's really around doing good work and getting people to, to recognize that. And I still even get a, a little bit of a, uh, joy when I post a picture on Facebook and friends of mine are liking that picture. I mean, it's, it's that praise, which is, it's a small thing, but that praise makes you feel good. I actually have a competition with my wife um, all the time because she'll post a picture and I'll post a picture and we have a similar number of friends and uh, you know, I'll be like, hey, I got 54 likes on my picture. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's a little bit competitive, but it's really about um, putting something out there in the world and uh, that you're proud of and having other people say, yeah, that was really good. Right. So that, that's what fuels me. And I think the type of work that I, um, that I like and the type of work that I want to do is, is in that vein. Are there any tips you have for other marketers or people that might be in your shoes in the, in the future? Uh, two things come to mind. Uh, one is to travel a lot. Uh, and the others to read a lot. Those are two things which has really helped me because by traveling and reading, it's really opened my mind into uh, the possibilities that are out there in the world. And when you bring in perspectives from people in different parts of the world or, you know, some great novels that you've read or even advertising and marketing books, it really starts to um, change the conversation. So my advice to anybody, um, whether you're in marketing or not, is to really um, look at, to change your perspective. And the best way to change perspective is to travel and to read. Okay. Well, so stepping back from Expedia, yeah. what brands are you following? Yeah. And are there any that, you know, get your goat, so to speak, or you, you, you just can't live without? 
Ooh, um, well, I think it's it's the usual ones. I mean, you know, Apple is. I'm a, I'm an Apple fanboy. You know, I I will be in line, um, you know, sleeping overnight to get to get the newest gadget. So there's a little bit of that, and I think it's because as an ecosystem, they've created something that just works. And I know I'm stealing a line from from pop culture, but it just does work. Um, so Apple's one of them, and I think they've done some great advertising as well as product design. I think for me, the great brands are the ones who are doing that combination of great storytelling as well as a great product. So Apple's one. I'm a huge fan of what Google's doing with their storytelling. I think their storytelling is, 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 is top notch. And I look at them as a leader, especially because of uh, the industries that we're in, which is e-commerce and it's, it's not something that's tangible. So how do you convey that in a very compelling way? So they're able to integrate their products into their advertising. And I think that is, that is for the, you know, fantastic. Um, and then there's some niche brands. I mean, I, uh, I Uber everything I, wherever I go, I think they've done a great job. Um, but it's not just because of their product. Um, for me, their marketing is their customer service, right? So they have done a fabulous job in terms of customer service and product design. Um, so that's, that's another one. Um, you know, I, I can't live without my, my Evernote and my Dropbox. I mean, these are two brands again, who don't really market other than through product design and word of mouth. And I think that those uh, types of marketing uh, vehicles are under undervalued in our in our world. I mean, we're all talking about big TV budgets or just TV budgets in general, maybe some online spend. Um, but when I look at some of these niche players who don't have that, um, they are the, 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 the confinement of lower budgets, or sometimes no budgets, really um, <laughs> really help you be more creative. And so it's, it's, it's through PR and social, and I think that's really where they've excelled. Okay. So what do you see as one of the most important marketing trends today, if you were to pick one? Marketing trends. So um, for me, a trend is around what's happening with data. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that is a trend. Um, because of the openness of, of, of networks and um, the aggregation of all this data, it's making marketing much more um, of a scientific approach, right? Which, which I think is fabulous. And that, that to me is a trend because as you get more data and understand what's working and what's not working, you start making different decisions. Yeah. And so we are very uh, deep in um, uh, data sciences right now and understanding big data um, and developing some predictive models around whether it be media campaigns and media placement or uh, the creative execution. And so it's made our work much more better, but also it has given um, myself and the leadership team um, something to really look at in terms of is this working or not versus versus a brand health study, right? Which is, you know, very esoteric. Um, while we use that, right. we are much more subscribed to using uh, behavioral data versus intent. And I think that's that's the key, which is those who measure just intent could be going down the wrong path potentially. So it's measuring behavior. What are people actually doing, not what they say they will do? And for us, that's that's been it's been revolutionary. It's really allowed us to to um, do things that that we weren't able to do before. Right. It's opened up budgets. It's opened up great opportunities um, and, and better creative in my mind. With big data, do you ever find yourself swimming in it? So there is that risk, of course. And so, you know, I am, so one of my models that I live by is act now, think later. Okay. And what that means is put something out there in the world, see how 
so I see how people react to it. Okay. Test and learn and move. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I think that one of the challenges with big data in terms of you know, information paralysis, and I've been in organizations. That, that were overwhelmed with data. And I think there are certain industries that are prone to that. Uh, and I've seen them move really slow. And it's because of the thought, which is we have all this data, we need to mine it before we make our decision and come to market with the best product possible. Um, and some of that is a function of product life cycles and, and, and timelines. For me, maybe it's a function of being in technology. It's a function of being in e-commerce world. Uh, it's also a personal uh, quest, which is, Put something out there in the world. So act now, think later. That's my motto. Um, and it's really around the fact of test and learn. So it's uh, when I say think later, it's really around let's take the data, see right. what happens once we put it out in the world, and iterate and iterate. And I think it's uh, it, it's an industry um, uh, benefit as well. Being in technology, you, you, we're able to do a little bit more of that. How is how is that that trend of big data? How is it shifting the organization? And do you see major changes coming, maybe to Expedia or maybe not, uh, maybe just in general. How do you see the organization changing to meet that that challenge? Yeah, no, I think it's so. It's fascinating time, right? Because now you've got this great relationship, in my mind, between marketing and finance and analytics, right? Whereas in the past, I think there there's always been some tension. We're going to spend some money in marketing. We're not sure how it's going to work. It's always, it's that adage of, you know, we know, you know, fifty percent of it works. We still know which fifty percent, but now we do, and I think that's that is what's really um, eye opening for those conversations when we have with with finance and analytics, which is there's now a level playing field. We all understand what's working, what's not working, and so what that has done is it's opened up uh, the purse strings. Right, you're able to now spend into something if you have uh, an understanding of how it works, and if that understanding is universally accepted, right, right. versus Marketing is telling me it works. Okay, I'm not sure, but you know, we'll go for it. Right. Those conversations have ended, and I think that is that is fascinating. We're in a great time with 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 data. Um, you know, we've got more work to do here um, as an industry. Um, I'd love to be able to get into more predictive models. I mean, that to me is fascinating. So right now we're looking at past data, right? So how have things worked, right. um, and making decisions based on that data. You know, kind of next frontier is predictive models. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've got data scientists on, on our team who are, who are just knee deep in this. And I think that's right. fascinating. That's great. So you've talked a little bit about marketing mix um, and in particular mm-hmm. as you build models and predictive yep. models. How, how do you see mix changing 
for you or for in general for the industry? Well, yeah, part of the mix change is a function of uh, new technologies that are out there, which have done a couple things. One, they have opened up new areas to 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 compete in, such as social media would be one example, um, but also it has brought down the cost of some of these vehicles. So your mix models that you've developed a year ago or two years ago based on data from three years ago <laughs> is already outdated. Right. Um, and so, you know, as we look at uh, Expedia, as we look at, you know, social uh, media, as well as programmatic ad buying, that has really changed um, our mix because of A, new vehicles, and B, the costs have come down. So all of a sudden things that were maybe inefficient a year ago are now more efficient. I think I look at video advertising as a perfect example. When we first started in video advertising, it was it was a loss leader. I mean, there was no way we were going to make this thing work. Um, thankfully, in the past year and a half, um, what you're seeing is more networks open up that have this capability, and thus with competition, the price comes down. Um, and you can maintain that even with the quality placements. So we're, we're looking very bullish on digital, programmatic in specific, but uh, digital as a whole. Uh, marketing mix models uh, are changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. how, how do you think about the long-term, short-term? And have, you know, short-term being you know, mixed models of yesteryear, if you will, really focus on the last 12 months and yep. the impact within mm -hmm. that. In terms of building a brand, as you know, it's building an asset. How do you think about um, that trade-off? That's a great question. We have, as most marketers, have been focused on the short term because that's what the data allows you to do, right? right? So we have um, pulled a lot of data to help us understand in the short term how, what's our return going to be. And that's important for finance. It's important as we think about quarterly budgets and communication to, to Wall Street in terms of traffic to our store and conversion that we get. So we're always going to be looking at that for sure. We've recently started adding long-term into our equation as we start thinking about payback models and break-even. So um, we do have some data which helps us understand the long-term value as well as the short-term value. I know long-term, of course, we should define what that is. Right. You know, so for us, it is under a year. Okay. So short-term would be in quarter um, okay. and long-term would be in year. Okay. okay. So we are understanding the payback models of our marketing investments within year, which I think is, again, a new conversation that we're having, which allows us to not just think about the quarter and how much money to spend in the quarter and the payback, but also what's the overall impact to the P&L uh, this year. Now, moving beyond the year and thinking about kind of the equity of the brand, that's a different conversation. And I'm, you know, that's where you start looking at brand health and uh, some of those data points. I think they're a little bit more esoteric versus um, versus actual behavior that's happening on your site with your product. So. Talked about marketing mix. Mm -hmm. You've talked about data mm -hmm. and the usefulness of data. How does research factor into your data set, if you will? Yeah, well, so I, I don't separate um, research from, from analytics, right? So we are doing, I think, a ton of research in terms of um, behaviors on our site and what people are doing and how they react and what they buy, um, as well as data on our competitive sites. Um, and what they're doing there as well. So all that is part of the research and analytics um, mindset within our organization, the mindset within my team, which is, um, 
you know, in the past, we would probably look at research strictly as syndicated studies around intentful behavior. Yeah. Um, but now we're merging both intent as well as behavior to understand what people say they're going to do and what do they actually do and to measure that, the delta, to start getting to predictive models. An example would be looking at brand health measures um, and correlating that with site traffic to see which is the predictive behavior. When people say, I am likely to visit your store, um, do we see a change in um, traffic? Mm -hmm. What's that relationship? And as you increase or decrease your share of voice in the marketplace, does that relationship strengthen or weaken? So it's part of the, the models that we're building um, at Expedia. And it is, uh, it is, again, having a great impact in terms of changing the dialogue we would have with, with a CFO or, or, or with, with, with an analytics group. Good. Well, how about research? So in, if you were to design a, the perfect study, mm -hmm. uh, blue sky, yeah. what would it tell you? That's a big question. <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, for us, the, the, the answer is really around why, right? We know a lot about what people do mm -hmm. um, on our site with our competitors. Uh, if I take my product as an example, we know how many rooms are going to buy a sing on a visit to our site, which airlines are going to most likely um travel with and a lot of this is based on big data that we have internally right. we know the average flight that's being taken and the, and the hotel that's being um, used what we don't know uh, we don't have good data on i think is the why why do people travel and um and of course it changes by trip type right whether you're going to a graduation or whether you're going for a work trip or whether you're going uh, vacation with with the friends but then why do you pick certain brands that you that you pick how do you make that decision um there's many factors. You know, price is a factor. Reviews are a factor. Um, but I think there's much something much more primal, much more basic. And those are the types of things that I'd love to really investigate because it helps uh, with create, uh, developing uh, marketing insights, right? So if the insight is it's the cheapest price, that's never going to lead to to great creative work. So um, I think we're making forays there, but. This is a big question I think every marketer has on their minds, which is why do people do what they do? Why do we shop? How do we shop? Some have hypothesized mm -hmm. that this digital shift is we're all eventually going to just be digital marketers. Do you, 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 have, you believe in that hypothesis? Do you think that's overblown? I think that there's going to be a digitization of everything we do. So that I fundamentally believe in. Um, and I'm, I welcome it. Right. So an example would be if I look at the, uh, the TV marketplace. So, you know, we're in the upfront season right now um, negotiating those deals. And this is an industry that's ripe for transformation. I mean, it is very, um, if I can say, it's very archaic in terms of the way things happen if you compare it to the digital landscape. Mm -hmm. So the digitization of, of, of media choices, I think, is is uh, something that's going to happen. And by that, what I mean is, as we look what's going on with programmatic on TV, uh, as we look to um, the different data streams that we can get with our digital placements, I think that more and more of those types of 
uh, again, data sciences are being applied to television, and and I welcome it because there is a there, this is this is where we're spending the most of our dollars as an industry as a whole. This is the place that needs um, more data around it, and so so I welcome it. Um, I don't think we're going to ever walk away from. Um, we as an industry are going to walk away from some of these traditional sources. So I don't think we're all going to become digital marketers, but the digitization of marketing is 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 on the forefront, and I'm 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 in the front row. Nice. So stepping back from it all, mm-hmm. Expedia, uh, the Effie Award. Yeah. Congratulations again. Thank you. If you had it to do all over again, uh huh, what would you be? Ooh. What would you do? I'd be an investment banker. It's much more lucrative. <laughs> much more lucrative. Uh, but uh, but in all fairness, um, that's a tough one. I, I actually don't think I would change a thing. Um, I I'm a firm believer at that. You know, things happen for a reason, um, and we're all here for a reason. Um, and so you know, I I try not to look back on 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 the past, and um, therefore you know, very happy with what we've done, what I've done, um, and optimistic about where, where I'm headed and where the company's headed. So um, I think my real answer, other than, you know, I'd love to get investment banker salaries uh, and bonuses, <laughs> um, uh, maybe not the hours. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I'm actually very happy with, with, with where we are and I wouldn't change a thing. That's great. Well, again, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 